The Paths to Parenthood podcast is designed to support those needing to use a donor to build their family. I'm Becky, also known as Defining Mum, and I'm also the founder of Paths to Parenthood. I'm the mum to three amazing girls, all thanks to egg donation. And I'm Hayley King, the founder of All Things Donor Conception. I'm both a donor-conceived person and, in a twist of fate, the parent of donor-conceived children with my lovely wife. Our aim is to open up conversations about this incredible route to parenthood, focusing on some of the nuances and complexities that it can bring. Our hope is to provide different perspectives, information, reflection and validation as we openly discuss different topics, share stories and ask you for your input. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to the Paths to Parenthood podcast. That never gets any easier to say. (laughs) There's a lot of alliteration but it's not easy with all the P's. But yeah, we're really pleased to be back and we've got another conversation for you today, which I hope you're going to find interesting. We're going to be kind of discussing one of those topics again that often is found in the social media forums. And I'm joined again today by Hayley, who is my co-host. Hi, Hayley. Hi, Becky. Thanks for having me back on. Like I say, I'm looking forward to talking today. And for everyone who's listening in, thanks for joining us again. And like Becky said, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some of the contentious topics, I suppose, that come up a lot of them in Facebook groups or social media forums or on Instagram. And today we're going to be focusing on the term, you're a gift, which is often used by a lot of parents when describing the story to their children. It's used in a lot of donor conception related storybooks. And also the term, but you were so wanted, which is often used by parents in lots of different contexts. Again, talking to our donor conceived kids. So yeah, we're just going to have a little chat about those phrases today and some of the situations that can come up and some of the, I suppose, issues, if you like, that maybe are raised within group discussion about some of these terms and sometimes how they can be a little bit problematic. Yeah, and I think it's really important to open up these conversations because I think we've said before, when you see things in social media forums and on Facebook. And I must say, I've not been in a Facebook group for months now. I've stayed away, but this is a topic that I did see come up quite regularly and I've seen it on Instagram as well. But it just really lacks that nuance. And that's what we want to try and do, isn't it? Just bring about the the kind of different perspectives and different scenarios and contexts and just to really help people to reflect and understand more. And we're not here to tell you what to do. We are not professionals. We're not experts. We're just simply here to give our own opinions from our own lived experiences. And I think we've had hours and hours of conversations about this topic, haven't we, Hayley, and between each other, but with other people as well. So I feel like we've got quite a rounded view on the topic. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, just to point out, as well as us not being experts, we're not going to sit here and tell any parent or anyone really like what you should or shouldn't be saying to your kids. And I think each family is very different, but it's just some of these things. It's just interesting to hear the conversations around the topics and just give some sort of wider perspectives of why some of these things become so much of an issue, don't they, in these groups and some of the different perspectives. I suppose if we start on the term, you were a gift, because that's used quite a lot, isn't it? And I think if you're listening to this and you're a parent, you've probably seen that term used within some donor conception related storybooks for our very, very young children. And I don't think it's a necessarily bad, I think metaphor probably the, the word, isn't it? You know, when they're using like presents, so they bring out a present is showing that maybe a donor's given a gift, if you like, in order to have a family. But I think Sometimes there can be an issue with using it and sometimes donor conceived people, particularly sometimes then become adults, struggle with that term. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, Becky, like been in these groups, you know, this conflict between maybe what's in the books and then maybe what obviously parents use it at home, don't they as well? 
Yeah, I've seen it. And actually, I was just thinking about that term. I think it also comes from clinics as well. I give mm. the gift of your yeah. eggs or uh, give the gift of life. And I personally, again, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with saying that. But I think we just have to be mindful of how we say it. And I think a lot of parents, when they're trying to say you are a gift, there's no kind of ill intent. But I think what I think some donor conceived people who are now adults uh, feel with that, it's kind of moving away from the point of actually somebody donated their gametes, their DNA. And often there are other motivations behind it rather than simply giving a gift. It's nuanced, there's financial motivations, there's Mm. other reasons. And so I think the problem sometimes comes in terms of it's quite a simplistic way of describing it. And personally, I think if you're describing it to a young child, it works really well. It's a way to talk about it, but that will evolve as they get a bit older. But if you've got a parent who's talking about it in this way in a social media group, who's talking to their very young child or trying to find the words, and then you've got someone who might be a donor-conceived adult who may feel that that has doesn't really reflect what it truly is, that's where I think there might be that tension around the phrase. I don't know whether you feel the same, Hayley. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I suppose my wife and I don't tend to use the term gift like you know whether we're talking about the donors giving us a gift or or anything like that in our own family but I think that's more because in our family we tend to stick to kind of the more scientific terms but I do understand why some families don't maybe want to use words like egg and sperm and uterus and all these kinds of scientific terms I suppose with very young children so it is a nicer way of framing it and I think that is why parents do use the word but I think it's also interesting to kind of just be aware that, like I say, I have come across donor-conceived people, people that I've met or people that I've met like in these groups that really don't like the term for, like I say, for lots of different reasons. And I think another thing that does come up sometimes is that using the term gift can maybe almost relate that to kind of like as a possession. I have heard that before where some donor-conceived people don't like the term because they seem as that they're being used as like um, a possession of their parents, if you like. So yeah, like I said, I personally don't necessarily feel like that. And these terms kind of go hand in hand, don't they, with that you were so wanted as well. And again, like you say, we can move on to kind of those phrases. And I don't think there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with using you were so wanted or you were a gift. I think it's just the context in which they're said. And like we've spoken a lot before, isn't it? Like in my own personal situation, I think when I've I've had lots of mixed feelings about being donor conceived for lots of different reasons, and I, of course, felt very, very wanted and was told that, you know, growing up and knowing that I was an IVF baby and took a lot of comfort from that. But I think when I was older and found out about my conception story and realized, you know, the truth of what had happened, I also felt some elements of shock and anger because I found out late in life. So those feelings coexisted, if you like. I felt very wanted still, but also had some other feelings. So I think it's important to acknowledge that those feelings can kind of coexist. Yeah. And I think that will be a theme throughout, isn't it? That it doesn't, one thing is not true over the other. It's actually quite many situations. Both things can be true and things can coexist. And I think just going back to the term gift, I think personally, I don't really use that as a term with my kids. Mm. It's come up in some children's books, but I tend to be a little bit more factual around the donor gave us some of her eggs and this is what it means. And we've kind of grown as they started getting more understanding. So I don't think there's anything wrong with speaking to a four-year-old in those terms, but it's about being able to then explain, well, what does that mean? 
seen as they grow. And I think moving on to the whole, but you are so, so wanted, you are so loved. That's probably where I have been a little bit more in terms of how I've spoken to my girls, because let's face it, they are so, so wanted. They are so loved. They are really, really special because of like we went through so much to have them. But I think in some cases where you use that and maybe overuse that, there's almost that implication that they Mm. should be grateful for everything that you went through. And I'm always really keen to say that I'm incredibly grateful for my girls, but I don't want them to ever feel any pressure for them to feel grateful on the back of that. And I think it's one of those complexities, isn't it, as a parent, it's balancing things and they know how loved they are, they know how wanted they were. But also, I think when we come to this path, particularly where you've had to change paths and get your head around a new path to parenthood. So for myself, my kind of as I grew up, I always imagined I would have a biological child who is genetically related to me. And then when that wasn't possible, I had to then grieve the loss of my genetics and accept a new path. And I think one of the things I've been really, really keen to make sure is that the girls don't ever feel that they are second best or that oh, I couldn't have that, so I had to settle for this. And that's absolutely not the case. They were what I was always wanting. It just, I had to take a different path to get to them. So I think maybe when it comes to having children in this way, we probably feel that extra pressure to maybe make them feel more wanted than we might ordinarily do. I'm not sure whether that's true or not. But, and in which case then, how much do we use that term? And I suppose, Hayley, from your perspective and hearing perspectives of other donor conceived people, where have you found that almost to be overused and maybe a little bit problematic? Yeah, I think it's just when there's a situation where maybe, like for me personally, if I've ever expressed something that I might be struggling with to do with my conception story, obviously for those of you listening that might not know my story, I was a late discovery donor conceived person. So I found out very late in life about my situation. And when it's come up with family members, if I've then maybe expressed feelings of sadness, say, for not sharing, you know, the genetic connection with my dad that I thought I had, or curiosity even for finding out a little bit more, instead of that conversation being opened up by, say, family members or asking me a little bit more about it, when it's been kind of, I've had it in the past where the conversation's kind of been shut down mm-hmm. by using the phrases, yeah, but you were so wanted, almost like, well, why would you want to look for more information? information about your genetic side or why do you feel so sad about that because you were so wanted almost when those phrases I suppose are used as a retort or as like a rebuttal to the conversation like I say I think that's when it can become quite problematic and what I have observed within Facebook groups I think and within some social media settings is that I think when these conversations happen and a parent happens to say, but our children were so wanted. And then I think sometimes other people can take that as like that person almost like dampening down any negativity that might be happening. And you can see it almost unfolding within the threads of these groups. And I think that's why I can kind of relate to that side of it within my own situations that I've had. But I think the actual phrase itself used within some contexts is absolutely fine like we you know our children that my wife and I have had through obviously donor sperm IVF they were incredibly wanted and you know I don't think there's anything wrong with telling our kids that let's be honest I don't think there is anything wrong with that at all but I think it's just being a bit mindful that using that phrase within certain contexts and situations could be a little bit problematic yeah yeah, and I think that's kind of what I've seen as well. I've spoken to donor conceived people who talk about how wonderful it's made them feel that they are so wanted and what an yes. amazing story they have and they've known from a young age. And I think that's a really special place to be. But 
I've also heard the phrase used, and I think exactly as you said, almost as a deflection yeah. to any curiosity, to any questions, to any maybe even challenge. So, for example, if I was, the girls are a bit older, um, they know how wanted they were, how loved they are, but one may come to me, and I've mentioned this many times around the whole anonymity aspect of us using a donor and my reflections on how I struggle with that sometimes, but I'm fully expecting at some point to be asked the question, well, why did you not use a donor that I can find out about or I can meet one day and if I was to respond to that with what you're talking about that you were so wanted so why does it matter it just completely shuts Mm. down that kind of side of them feeling curious and what I think is important for us to do as parents is to ask questions and say well why do you feel that way and try and just be as honest as we can but allow them to feel that feeling because the more that we deflect and say oh well you were so wanted or that makes you sound like you're not grateful for everything that we went through to have you the more that we do that the less likely they are to open up to us and the more likely they are to shut down and probably even go online and start looking for (laughs) I was going to say to speak to about it and I think we've got such a role as parents and I don't want people to go away from this thinking oh I shouldn't tell my child how loved and wanted they are because yes tell them they are special but just be really aware of I think for me it's been aware of the context of in which I'm using that and still kind of creating that space as well and really trying not to put unnecessary pressure on them to feel like they've got to be perfect because we wanted them so much or that they've got to show their gratitude for it as well. So that's kind of where I've come to with this. Yeah, and I think it's important you go on a journey with these thoughts and feelings. I don't know how you feel about it, Becky, but some of these topics I hadn't even really considered when the children were first born. It's only then maybe like upon reflections and things like that. But And it's always tricky to know at what stage to kind of introduce certain concepts to our children and a bit like, I suppose, following along from the term like a gift. And, you know, some people would argue that it's not always a gift because there's a, like a financial element to donation in some circumstances. But it's hard to know, isn't it, at what point to kind of... I know my wife and I have had this conversation. We want to be honest with our kids about the situation with the donor that we used and that obviously he was paid obviously to donate but at what age is that suitable to tell our children and make sure that they kind of understand because I think it is important to let them know yes the donor donated a gift or whatever but also that there was an element of payment there as well which I'm not sure how you feel about that. Yeah, it's strange. It does make you feel uncomfortable. And I think, I mean, with egg donation, obviously, there is so much more that goes into the whole process. There's a lot of time given up. It's much more physically intense. And so I kind of feel that there should be an element of compensation for donors in that way. And I think the way that it's set up in the UK is that donors aren't doing this to profit from egg donation in any way. And I know it's different in the US, for example, And so I think it makes it more easy to talk about, but there is definitely that element there. And it is about as they grow and just making sure that they're aware of the reality and context, but in a way that's age appropriate and allows them to understand, but also for them to ask questions as well. And I think as well as parents, I think we get worried about opening up these things because we think we've got to have all of the answers and we've got to be able to say, yes, this is what happened for this reason. And and actually, I think sometimes it's okay to sit with the uncertainty with them and say, yeah, I kind of really wish I knew that too. And it might be that you go, well, maybe let's try and find out together, but manage their expectations around it. And I just think there's so many different ways of responding that can completely change the feeling of that donor-conceived person and how they feel validated. I mean, we talk about this within the infertility community, validation about what you're going through and how you're feeling is so important 
important to be able to process things and be able to find others who truly get it. And I want the girls to be able to come to me to talk about these things because they feel that I get it, that I'm open to understanding rather than having to go and seek out extra support. I mean, obviously, if they need to, that's absolutely fine. But it's just making sure that I'm that open person that they feel they can talk to. And I think if I was to solely talk about this as a gift without any context as they grow to constantly respond with oh but you were so wanted um, to any particular question then that's going to have a very different outcome to if I was to one still tell them that they were wanted and evolve the idea of the gift but to prompt questions even not just to wait for them or just say oh how do you feel about that and at times, and we've had the series, haven't we, on Paths to Parenthood with Dr. Avi Perlman, who has been brilliant. And we've done sessions around understanding donor conception in the context of child development for sort of ages naught through to six. And then we've done age seven to 12. And just next week, we're looking at the teenage years. And that was, was so helpful because it allowed you to see some of the developments that are going on anyway, regardless of donor conception, but actually how you as parents might then respond to those things. And if it comes up and not kind of automatically thinking, oh, that's because they're donor conceived, but just being able to understand your child better as an individual that's growing and evolving and learning and their brains changing and everything else around it. I just think there's a lot of context behind all of this and it's not always black and white. And I think with many of these conversations we have, it isn't black and white, is it? It's not, yeah. don't say this, do say that. It's about understanding the context exactly. and being able to adapt. Yeah, look, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's about, it's complex and it's really hard. Really, I can imagine there's people listening to this and it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that or I've said this in the past or I hope that's not going to have made my child feel X, Y, and Z. And I myself as a parent have felt like that. And I think with donor conception, we've spoken about it so many times before that there isn't loads and loads of support out there. There isn't loads of guidance about what we should be telling our kids at what age and what they understand. And that's like I say, going back to the series that we've had on Past the Parent Hub with Dr. Perlman, it was really helpful because it's broken it down into sort of age appropriate categories, hasn't it? And, you know, even like we've got twins that are nearly six. Becky's got girls at a similar age, one either side, really, haven't you got a girl that's slightly that older? Right. And then, yeah, and then the, the twins are slightly younger than our twins. But it's really helpful to kind of see where we're at, see where our children are maybe going to go to in the next phase, which is the, like you say, the teenage years. And I think if you are a parent listening to this, you know, I don't think you're expected to have all the answers. I don't think any of us are going to have those. But having these conversations, I'd like to think it is helpful to people just to kind of, like I say, see what other parents are doing, see what other families are doing and how we can do our best, really. Because that's all we're trying to do, really, isn't it, is do our best in the situations. I think um, it's about just provoking thoughts, really. It might be something you've never really thought about. Or I think the other point that I've just thought of, actually, it kind of links into this is where parents talk about the cost in terms of how much they spent in terms of making their children and what they had to go through. And I know quite often that's used as like a almost like a joke as the kids are older. Oh, do you know how much money I spent having you? And I think there's certain things, again, where I think we have to be mindful of things like that. I think it's that whole feeling of being a commodity and and those things. I just think it's just being mindful and aware of what you're saying in what context and how that might be taken. I absolutely think it's okay to talk about 
those sort of things but to be mindful about the impact on your child as they're growing and does that put extra pressure on them does that make them feel probably more like I think it's the idea of money exchanging hands isn't it and when you talk about accumulation of costs Hayley how did you feel about your own conception story and I know you said that that was mentioned in the news a lot as you were growing up I was an IVF baby, so that's what they used to call it, a test tube baby is what it used to be called when I was growing up. That was the phrase. Um, and my parents had very, very early IVF treatment at the first IVF clinic, Bourne Hall in Cambridgeshire. So when I was born, quite a lot of the like regional newspapers, I was featured and my parents actually kept clippings of my birth and you know, a picture of proud dad holding me, which, you know, I cherished family heirlooms, but all the newspapers all crinkled and yellow. But interestingly, actually, in the articles, it was only something that I noticed recently is that in all of them, actually, there was quite a focus on how much my parents had paid to have treatment, which was really interesting. And I hadn't actually known, although I've had sight of these copies all my life, I'd never really noticed the financial mm. sort of heaviness, if you like, within it, which is quite interesting. And I agree, I think. And to be honest, that side of it had never really affected me personally. But I do know of other donor conceived people that they felt uncomfortable with the fact that their parents had maybe reminded them whilst growing up how much they cost, maybe as an element of pressure you know, to be the golden child or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, and, and I think like moving on more recently, I think when we come to like talking about topics of financial incentives for donors, when I actually met Jonathan, who is my genetic father, so I was able to locate him through DNA testing because he was previously anonymous. And one of the first things he said to me was that he, you know, his primary motivation for donating was financial. And he actually said his words were, it was a mercenary act. And I remember thinking, cool, that was very blunt, actually. But actually, I appreciated his honesty with that, that that kind of element. So yeah, like I say, throughout my life, I suppose I've had different discussions about finances and all that kind of stuff when it comes to my conception story. And I think, like I say, that hasn't particularly bothered me. But I think maybe that's because I now have some form of relationship with Jonathan. So he has shown a level of interest. You know, we've connected. He hasn't kind of shut the door on me. So that hasn't really bothered me so much. But I do often wonder maybe I would maybe feel differently about that if maybe he hadn't been as open and welcoming, you know, when I've kind of reached out. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. It's all really interesting when you start looking back at kind of some of the conversations yeah. I've had, you know, like with my parents when I was younger. And Hayley, you've shared your story with me a number of times. I know you've shared it on Paths to Parenthood. Just for anyone who's listening who might not know your full story, just in terms of your relationship with Jonathan and the relationship with your dad, just give us a little bit of an overview of where you are now with everything. I found out in 2015 that I was donor conceived, but I didn't actually DNA test until more recently in 2019. But I was able to locate Jonathan and I've been in contact with him. A lot's gone on in that time, but I suppose I'm on good terms with Jonathan. And I think I'd like to say we kind of settled down. At first, it was quite a lot to take in and I wasn't quite sure where the relationship sat with Jonathan. I've never really seen him as a father figure in the slightest, although it's remarked that I refer to him as my genetic or biological father. I don't actually see him as a father figure or fathering me, if you like. But now I think I'm a lot more, I say I've known him now for nearly four years and we see each other every now and again. And it's just like a nice, I suppose, like uncle type relationship. But I mean, with my dad, it was very difficult, I think, at the start for all of us when the truth came out about my story. But he's always been very, very supportive of me and supportive of me finding out a little bit more about my genetic heritage, which even more now reflecting back, I'm very grateful that he was because it's made that path for me a lot easier. And yeah, I mean, my dad and Jonathan haven't met yet. I'm hopeful that, and I think they probably would do one day. I think they would probably get on very well, even though I think that might be a bit strange for me to see. But yeah, I think like, 
it's too even though I'm in contact obviously my dad's still my go-to guy like he's the person I'd ring in a crisis it's also nice to know who Jonathan is and I can go to him if I've got any questions about medical history and things like that so I feel very blessed that I have two great guys in my life now so yeah, yeah that's kind of where we're at with it yeah I thought we'd just add that there just in case anybody yeah. doesn't know your story but if you do want to know Hayley's story where can they find you Hayley? Yeah so I've got my own Instagram account which is DCP Journey to RP which there's loads of different links on there of previous podcasts I've done but also on my website allthingsdonorconception.com there's a big long blog post on there about my story but yeah like I say forever evolving <laughs> you'll probably come back to me in six months and something I found another donor sibling or something else has gone on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> forever but that's the same with all of our lives I think in, within the world of donor conception stuff yeah. forever changing isn't it so it is it is and I for one have learned so much from you and just really enjoyed getting to know your story and kind of seeing how it evolves and I just think having that viewpoint from a parent but also a donor conceived person just allows that real holistic view of what this might be like and kind of understanding the intentions behind it as a parent but also understanding the the possible of ways in which as we've been talking about, words can be taken as a donor-conceived person. But I think that brings us to the end of this chat around kind of you were so wanted, you were a gift. And I hope that you found it really useful to listen to. And we'd be really interested if you want to get in touch with us to hear your thoughts on this. And like we say, we are not experts. We're not saying exactly what you should do or what you should say. And I also don't want to put any unnecessary kind of pressure on people feeling like, oh, am I saying this too much? But I think it's just being aware of the context for me. And that's what I've learned through listening to people who are donor conceived so I think Hayley finally what do you think people can take away from this and what would you like to see people reflecting on I think it's just to be a little bit mindful like I say of the phrases that we use as parents I think we have a lot of impact don't we and what we say to our kids so it's just being aware of you know like I say even myself, I suppose, as a donor conceived person, I might not feel a certain way, but having listened to other people that have maybe had a slightly different upbringing to me or that are donor conceived, but maybe feel differently, it's been helpful to me because I suppose even though, like you say, I am donor conceived and a parent, but my kids may feel very differently to me. So I think it's always helpful to listen to other voices. And that's what I think is really good about, you know, these kinds of discussions is that it can bring all that to the fore. And that's my kind of hope is that people, you know, they don't just listen to yourself and I, although I'd love everybody to obviously tune in every week or every couple of weeks, whatever it is that we're going to be doing. I don't want to overcommit now, Becky, do we? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but of course we want people to tune in and listen to us, but I think it's also important for people to listen to other voices. And yeah, and like I say, and just keep a bit of an open mind, really. Yeah, and I think if you're listening to this, you're already of doing so much in terms of trying to think about these things as well if you're a parent and for extra support there is paths to parent hub which is what we work on together there's so much content in there there's obviously the webinar series we mentioned earlier around child development in the context of donor conception we've had several of these types of chats haven't we Haley, on there and there's professionals talking about all of the different things that we might need to consider there's lots and lots on raising your children after donor conception and also coming up in october on october the 14th 
at the time this airs I'm hoping there might be some tickets left if anyone does want to come along I'm hosting another event alongside Hayley and we are going to have panels of recipient parents donor conceived people we're going to have some egg donors speaking and we're also going to have workshops led by our professionals so Julianne Buteleb from Parenthood in Mind is going to be focusing on genetic loss and all the losses we bear which is a really really powerful workshop including lots of reflection and also Jerry McCluskey who is one of our fertility counsellors she is going to be running a workshop focusing on owning your story so thinking about talking about your story whether it be to others to your child and hopefully giving you a bit more confidence in that so we're really looking forward to it aren't we Hayley I think it's gonna be a brilliant day again yeah I can't wait and actually the event last year was so so powerful I mean I knew it was going to be a good event but actually sitting in a room with so many people that have been through similar experiences but also different too and sharing their stories and actually last year at the event was the first time I'd actually sat physically in a room with another adult donor conceived person would you believe because we obviously had our donor conceived person panel and I wasn't quite expecting to feel as emotional as I did and speaking at the panel last year with the other donor conceived people I think was also really really important and powerful at the same time so I'm super looking forward to October like I say we've even added extra things to this year's event haven't we so yeah can't wait yeah So it's called Donor Conception, Connecting Through Conversations. And that's what it's all about, really, conversation, as is this podcast. So hopefully you'll see the nuance, you'll see the context, you'll hear different voices, and it will just give you, I think it will be uplifting. And also there's just tons of compassion. I think everybody is really supportive. And it's amazing being able to connect with other people who are in a similar position to you. So hopefully you can come along. We'll put details in the show notes. And thank you again for listening. And if you do have any topics that you want to hear us talk about as we've done today please do let us know we'll also put details in the show notes of how to get in contact or you can get in contact through socials and we would absolutely love to hear from you but yeah i think that's it for today yeah we'll see everybody next episode take care thanks bye